Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. In this podcast, you'll learn actionable strategies to deal with infertility from Dr. Michael Chapman, or Prof as he's affectionately known. Prof is the co-founder of IVF Australia and is a leading Australian infertility specialist who has helped over 3,000 couples realise their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. That first cry of a baby born after the long journey of IVF remains one of the most beautiful experiences in the world. As an obstetrician and an IVF specialist, I've had the privilege of experiencing this over many thousands of times in my long career, but I still remain moved by each baby's first cry. It signifies the end of a long journey and the beginning of a new life. This is Professor Michael Chapman, co-founder of IVF Australia and host of the IVF Journey podcast. Thanks for tuning in. To access all the previous episodes, head over to my website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. So today's podcast, I'm really, really lucky. I have Liz Ellis with me. Some of you won't know necessarily who she is, unless you're a netball fan or a proper Australian sports fan. Liz was a netball captain of Olympic teams in the past that were highly successful. However, she wasn't quite as successful at having a baby when she wanted one. That led to fertility treatments, frustration, and then ultimately two babies. But looking back on that, she decided that other infertile couples needed to know what she went through, but also giving them guidance as to where to go and what to do. I've been involved in this book, in editing it for medical factual information, but what I was impressed with the book was how easy it was to read, even for a dumb doctor. So today, as I said, Liz Ellis, here's your book. I know, it's very exciting. Thanks, Prof, and thank you for all your help. It was so great to be able to have someone like you point me in the right direction as I was writing it and then to just have a look over it and explain to me the difference between a sign and a symptom. That's always <laughs> the thing to know. You know, I'm not medically trained. So, and I had no sense of when I set out to write this book about what a big undertaking it was. And perhaps if I had have known, I wouldn't have done it, but I'm so glad I did do it. I'm glad you did it as well because, <laughs> you know, to me as a fertility specialist and academic who's been involved in IVF for 36 years, I did my first IVF cycle. One of the big problems I have with my patients is them understanding what's going on. Not only what's going on in the nuts and bolts of IVF, but what's going on in their lives about fertility and not getting what you want. So this sort of book is really a big plus for me. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. And, you know, I feel 
when I was going through my infertility journey, for want of a better word, I felt like I was walking blind through a snowstorm looking for something white. I always felt like there was something that I was missing. I wasn't sure which way I should jump or which way I should go and felt like things rushed at me and I didn't know they were coming. So when I got to the end of my treatment and we eventually had our, our little boy, I thought, you know, there actually is a strategy. There's a way to get through it. There's a roadmap that you can plan out. And I want patients to understand that you can own your own journey. You are the expert in your body. You're seeing people who are highly skilled and highly trained. And the best way to help them out is actually to turn up and be prepared and have an idea of where you might get to. Yeah, I think that's one of the things, certainly in the early chapters, that I was very impressed with was trying to create a base of knowledge to approach a general practitioner because, you know, GPs do all sorts of things and fertility for most is not one of their major strengths. No, it's not. But a good GP is a great partner to have at the start, aren't they? And they're the person who you go and see for a whole range of things. So if they understand your whole story, they're such a great partner. And I was really fortunate to have a great GP who was really part of the journey. She helped me with research. She helped me find out things. She explained things to me. But one of the things that struck me, even when we went for our first appointment with her about this, like I'd seen her before for the flu shots and, you know, to get my asthma medication. This was obviously my first time I was going to a GP and saying, well, we can't fall pregnant we've been trying it it's not happening and so she then asked a series of questions that we were totally unprepared for it was no big deal in the greater scheme of things but I would have liked to have known that they were coming so I could have thought about it to make sure I give her some really well thought out answers yeah Uh, one of the big ones I always see is how often do you have intercourse And that throws people, and to some extent the answers, particularly when I usually see males and females, is not necessarily accurate because the husband will say, oh, every night, and and the woman looks down, doesn't want to contradict her husband, but then afterwards says, well, actually... If we do it twice a month, we're lucky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, my GP explained to me that you have to go into the appointment without being embarrassed, that your GP has heard so many more interesting, weird, crazy stories about intercourse and when people are having sex and how they're having sex than you can possibly tell her. You know, she told me about counselling a couple who having intercourse, but the male was ejaculating not in the vagina, right? So... She was like, you think that's basic stuff, but I've had to counsel people on that. So Mm. if that's your starting point, there's nothing you can say that's going to be embarrassing. They've heard it all before. You have to go in there and be honest. But it's hard to be honest and upfront about stuff if you don't know that it's coming. Whereas if you know that it's coming, you can pick up this book and go, oh, okay, this is the sort of stuff that I might be asked. And the flip side is if your GP doesn't ask, then you question, is your GP invested enough in you and your treatment? Yeah, I think that, I mean, I think that's absolutely right. And probably with all due respect to very busy GP, probably 70% of my letters are one-liners. Please see Mrs. Ellis, who is having trouble getting pregnant. Mm. Full stop. As a specialist, I'm getting virtually no information. Yes, and then so the patients turn up to you and you ask them the same set of questions Mm. over again because you don't have that information. Mm. But that's important to know, Mm. to not turn up and get cross at your specialist for asking for information. The more information your specialist has, the better that they can treat you. Absolutely true. So you quite correctly discuss the right specialist for you. And and I'm totally convinced with your conclusion, (laughs) which is that there are horses for courses. There are some specialists who are very direct, very straight. On the other hand, there are some people who like the punch in the head and get up and go again. And then there are the soft, quiet, getting there quite as quickly, but for some people that's what they want. 
And finding the right mix. Finding the right mix. And don't be afraid. Don't feel like when you make your initial decision, if you get there and they're not for you, that's okay. You know, it's okay to actually change specialists or change GPs. You don't have to be rude. You don't. It's, it's not an obnoxious thing to do. Hmm. I would imagine that specialists see all sorts of patients hmm. and there's some patients that they think, I don't know. If, yeah, I wish know. they'd go somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to be polite. <laughs> so it doesn't I, happen to me very often. No, I can't imagine. I can't imagine profit. <laughs> I wouldn't want to go to you but it's okay and it's okay to make the decision based on your gut feel like sometimes there's no scientific way there's no boxes to tick there's no questionnaire if your gut feel is that you are not the same page as your specialist choose someone else I think the great thing about being infertile in Australia if there is such a great thing is that you have so many fantastic specialists to choose from we are world leaders so if you're not happy, go somewhere else. There's a world leader out there somewhere who's just right for you. Mm. And you make a good point about those doing IVF. There's a couple of hundred of us that do IVF around Australia. There are over half of those are generalists who are doing other things. And, and I like your comment about uh, you might have to wait because they're off delivering a baby if they're a generalist. Obviously, I have a, an axe to grind there because I'm chair of, of the subspecialist group. And we, I think, do believe that the best care comes with experience and the best training. And I think you make those comments in there and I'm pleased to see those. And then you get to the journey. You know, everyone has a different journey. And when I started writing this book, my idea was to write the book and hang it around my journey and to use my journey to illustrate it. And then very early on, someone said to me, get over your own story. And it was a harsh thing to say, but it was such a great piece of advice. Who's that, the publisher? No. <laughs> do you know what? It was a woman who in Adelaide, and she's involved in a group that works around endometriosis. And right. she said, this might be forward of me, but get over your own story and it'll be far more engaging. Hmm. It was a great piece of advice because hmm. the more I realised, the more I researched, the more I realised that there are any number of ways to suffer from infertility, hmm. any number of ways to be diagnosed and any number of ways to come out the other end. So for me, we fell pregnant very quickly with our first baby with Evelyn and she's now six and we thought ha this is easy this pregnancy business and but you weren't the youngest when you went for that no I was 37 and I just we thought it would be difficult and we we're pretty relaxed about it might have had something to do with it we're a bit like oh if we have kids we have them if we don't we don't we'll just keep drinking nice red wine so the gods knew how much I like drinking nice red wine and they made me pregnant I think so you know if we fell pregnant really quickly I was 37 I gave birth when I was 38 went back to my obstetrician and he rightly said, you're getting advanced in age. Get on with it. Go again if you want another one. So we did. And eight months later, we're pregnant. And I thought, beauty, this is tops. I can, we can get knocked up, have two kids. They'll be 17 months apart. God help us. But then we went for our first scan and the baby had vanished. Yeah, there was a sack and nothing else. So that was hard, but it was also my first miscarriage. I already had a baby. I thought, it's just a bump in the road. A couple of months later, I'll be back up again. Six months later, nothing had happened. So mm. then we started down. Down the journey. Down the okay. journey. So fertility drugs, fell pregnant again, miscarried again. That was hard. Then we eventually found ourselves on course of IVF treatment. Come to that in a minute. Basically, the book is an education. I think something that every woman, every couple, not just women, should be reading to help them get through the journey. So thanks, Liz, and maybe we'll talk again. My pleasure to be continued. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. 
You can also ask questions by contacting Dr Chapman's rooms on 1800 111483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.